If you will, open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and um, I want to share my heart with you this morning. I hope that's okay. Uh, Luke chapter 15, what I want to do is read the first seven verses. We're going to pray, and then I want to share with you just some stuff that God's been laying on me uh, the past couple of weeks. It's a very familiar passage. Um, The title of the message is One Matters. In fact, say that with me, One Matters matters. It's the parable of the lost sheep, first seven verses. Let's read it. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over the one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the rain. Um, As we hear it coming down, this reminds us that you're the one that replenishes us when we're dry, and I just thank you for that. And I ask that as we get into your word this morning, that you would open our hearts. Lord, let us receive, like the, the ground that's getting soft outside, let us receive the seed of your word Lord, I think this applies to every one of us in the room today, and so would you just give us ears to hear what you want to say to us today? Lord, and and where we need to take a step, we'll take a step of faith and just trust you all over the results. Would you please speak through me, Lord, to encourage and challenge us today? I humbly ask it in Jesus' name, amen. One matters. This parable is a response. In fact, it's the whole chapter 15 of Luke. Jesus spends these 32 verses responding to um, a a situation, a criticism. Verse 1 says that the collectors, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. That's a good thing, isn't it? They would come to listen to Jesus teach. The only problem was in verse 2 it says, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Listen, I am so ready for the political season to be done. Amen? How many are tired of the political ads? Right? Are you feeling it? Are you feeling the pressure? Here's what I've learned with me. Um, during this season, I tend to, I can get along with a lot of people. I get along with people that don't agree with me politically. I, we usually can, can agree to disagree and we're cool, but when I see moral issues, things that crop up that I know that I don't agree with scripturally, and those things are difficult for me. And I find it in me, um, this, this opportunity for me to kind of adopt a negative, critical attitude and spirit towards those who don't agree with me. Anybody else feel the same thing? And, and, and with the social media today, it's even worse, right? And so I just feel this pressure sometimes. And when I do that, I'm reminded of this passage of scripture. There's two things that we see there. Number one is it reveals the attitude of the Pharisees. And secondly, it reveals the heart of God, the shepherd who 
cares about the one, the one sheep. And so this is why it's a conviction on me. It's something I, I heard shared a couple weeks ago at a conference, and I thought, I'm not going to suffer alone. I'm going to share this with the church because we all need to hear this truth. Amen? So the problem was Jesus was teaching, and people were coming to hear him teach, which should be a good thing, uh, but it says that these tax collectors and these notorious, dirty, filthy sinners were coming to hear Jesus teach. And the, the religious people of his day, it says the Pharisees and the teachers, it made them complain or murmur or grumble that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. <gasps> That's terrible. That Jesus would hang out with sinful people. And so in response to that criticism, Jesus lays out this, um, this trilogy, if you will, these three stories in one parable, um, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And there's a, there's a, a theme through there. Um, something was lost. There's a search for that which was lost, and then it was found, and then there was a celebration to celebrate that which was once lost was now found. In this story of the shepherd, we have the lost sheep. He looks for the lost sheep. He finds it, joyfully carries it on his shoulders, and goes back, and there's a, a party that goes on after that. I love that story. I love that story. The first or the second verse, it talks about the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the religious law. Why would they have that attitude? I found a prayer um, that the Pharisees would pray back in the first century. Listen to what it says. I thank you, Lord God, that you have set my portion with those who sit in the sanctuary and not with those who sit on the street corners. I rise early and they rise early. I rise to attend to the word of Torah and they to attend to futile things. I exert myself and they exert themselves. I exert myself and receive a reward and they exert themselves and receive no reward. I run and they run. I run to life in the world to come and they run to the pit of destruction. They just had a negative attitude towards those who were lost. Now they love Jesus. Jesus, this is before they started to reject him. It's kind of halfway into that section of the gospel. Um, but they, they appreciated the fact that Jesus held to the authority of God's word. And so that was cool. The problem they had is when he was doing things differently than what they expected, and he's hanging out with these notorious sinners, and they had a problem with that. So Jesus responds. He responds in verses three through six with uh, this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one gets lost, what are you gonna do? Well, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they hated shepherds. I mean, they were down at the bottom of the list of the who's who. Um, and so to say to a Pharisee or a teacher of the law, hey, if one of you had sheep, oh, they're not going to think that way because that's beneath them. And Jesus uses this parable to say, if one of you had a hundred sheep, what are you going to do if one of them gets lost? He says, won't he go after the one? He'll search frantically for it. He'll leave the 99 to look for the one. Back in their day, a shepherd was responsible for taking care of the whole flock of sheep if he lost one then that's on him. He had to cough up the money or the, the earnings to be able to cover the loss. The only, um, the only time that they, were, they get by without that was if uh, one of them got killed by an animal, a wild animal. In the Old Testament, they could produce the carcass of the dead sheep and they were okay. But if you're a shepherd and you lost a sheep, you didn't want to go to town and everybody talk about how bad of a shepherd you are. You're irresponsible. So what is a shepherd going to do if he loses one? He's going to go find it, right? One matters. And the shepherd goes after the one lost sheep, leaving the 99 behind. He searches for him, frantically, I would think, until he finds it. It says when he finds it, 
he puts it joyfully, carries it home on his, on his shoulders, knows it carries him home, not back to the flock. I think that's kind of cool. He carries him joyfully on his shoulders. And, and when he arrives back home, he calls together his friends. He calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me. Let's party. Why? Because I had a lost sheep and I found the lost sheep. Before I get to verse 7, I want to I share with you, um, there's a little girl named Amber, and I believe her little brother, her older brother was Ricky. They were riding their bicycles in an abandoned parking lot in the Arlington area, and uh, little Amber was abducted. The boy saw it, and another person saw it. The person called the cops, and the little boy went home and told mom, and they began to put out the phone call to the neighbors, and everybody started looking frantically for this little girl, Amber, and... Uh, for four days, it was four days later that they found her body in a river less than four miles from their home. It was a tragedy, but her tragedy brought what we have today as what was known as the Amber Alert system. How many of you know when that thing goes off on your phone, it just kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck? And in fact, sometimes it goes off and I look at it and it says El Paso, and sometimes I'm tempted to go, oh, that's so far away, but that one matters, right? Here's what I was thinking. Wouldn't it be cool if the church had an alert system? Wouldn't it be cool if we knew, hey, there's a lost sheep out there, all signal, bloop, you know, the alert's going off. Uh, what would it look like to have a church that was on alert? I, I think it would be amazing. There's one that's outside of the, the family of God and everybody's on alert. We need an alert system. What would the church look like if it was on high alert? I want to share with you four things in that verse 7, or actually three things, and then the fourth one I'll get from uh, another passage that an alert church should know. Uh, the first one in verse 7 is the problem. There's one problem, and that is the sheep that Jesus is using in the parable is not just sheep, but he represents a, a sinner, and that sinner is lost. Sheep are dumb animals. You think about it, they're out there in the pasture, and they don't just deliberately go get lost, but they're eating, and they look up, and they see a patch of grass over here, and they walk, walk over, they wander and they eat that grass, and then they see another patch of grass, and they wander, and then they see another one, and before you know it, they're away from the flock, and they look up, and there's no one around, and so they begin to bleat, and they're freaking out, and they're vulnerable. They can't protect themselves. They can't defend themselves. They need a shepherd. They need a savior, someone to come and rescue them. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray, chosen our own path. The sheep that is lost is, represents a lost soul. And I love the picture of God's, I've been using the word ridiculous lately, this ridiculous love and this rescue mission that he goes on to find this one person. I think what he's saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I think it's a check on their attitude as they're seeing them as a notorious sinners and they're criticizing and complaining Jesus for hanging out with them. And Jesus is showing them through this story that one matters. Jesus is showing that that one person represents a sinner, that one sheep represents a sinner uh, that needs to come back to the flock. And I'm so grateful for that picture of God there, his rescue. Amen? There's a problem. The problem is we're sinners. Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I am so grateful that there's a remedy for our sin problem. The problem is sin. The second thing is there's a solution, and it's also in verse 7. It says, in the same way, there's more joy 
over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There's one problem, but there's also one solution, and that solution is repentance. Sinners must repent to be right with God. I can't just decide, I, wanna, I, I just want to get into relate. I mean, I've got to repent. I've got to recognize my need. I've got to recognize that I'm lost, and I have to repent to be right with God. The prodigal son, that third story in this parable, um, it didn't work for him. Things didn't change until he turned around and went back home. Aren't you glad that he turned and went back home? Because he came to his senses. He repented. He turned, and he went back to his father. Repentance is how God brings us. We, we acknowledge our sin, our need, the fact that we are lost sheep and we repent and we turn to him in faith, knowing that he took our sins, he died on the cross for the sins of the world, amen? Repentance is so important. We must repent to be right with God, and this is important for us to remember too, it's not by works. Um, I know how I'm wired and I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to, to make sure I'm in good standing. There's a story of a, a man that died and he went to heaven and he was greeted by St. Peter at the gate. And St. Peter said, we have a rule here to get into heaven. It's going to cost you a 1,000 points. And the man says, that shouldn't be a problem. I've been married to my wife for 50 years, and we've never cheated on each other. And Peter says, all right, that's great. Two points. Two points. Whew. He says, well, I've been in church for many years, and I tithe, and I give regularly to different programs. And so um, that's got to count for something. Peter goes, that's, that's good, too. That's one point. One point. What else do you got? He said, well, I opened a soup kitchen, and I've take care of the homeless and all those things. And Peter goes, that's great. Two points. The man is freaking out and he's like, what is a man to do? It's only the grace of God, only by the grace of God that we'll be able to get into heaven. And St. Peter says, congratulations, a thousand points. The point is, it is by grace that we have been saved. And it's not by works. As a gift of God, we can't brag about it, we can't boast, but it requires us to repent, to recognize our lostness or our sinful condition, to turn to him, to repent, and to, um, to believe in faith. There's one problem, there's one solution, and there's one response, and I love this. Back in verse 7, in the same way there is more joy in heaven. Have you ever just stopped and considered for a moment when it says over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than on the 99 who never wandered off in the first place. There's more joy in heaven for the one sinner who repents. I said to the first service, I believe that it would blow our minds if God would just open up the heavens and let us see what takes place when someone trusts in him for salvation. I, I think it's a party. I think it would blow us away. I think it would encourage us and challenge us to go, woo, that's some good stuff. Let's see it again, right? There's one problem, and that is there's sin, and the only solution to that sin is to repent and believe, and there's one response when that happens, and I think that sometimes as a church, we take that for granted, and we kind of minimize that, but I think there's a party going on, and in fact, in all three of these stories, that's the end result is what was lost was found, and there was a celebration, what was lost was found, and there was a celebration. The boy who wandered away and came back, the prodigal son, and there was a celebration. I think God wants us to see his heart and how much one matters. There's a celebration that takes place in heaven when one person believes. Isn't that cool? There was a party. And here, here's, 
where the conviction hit me, if Jesus loves lost people, if one matters to Jesus and he loves them, the Pharisees, I mean, they, they were cool with just putting them off in the corner, but Jesus gives us these parables to show his heart toward them. If Jesus loves lost people, we should love lost people. Oh, yeah, I know, Shane. I'm supposed to love people. No, no, no. 1 Corinthians 13, read that. If Jesus loves lost people, we should love lost people. If he searches, so should we. And if he celebrates church, so should we. One matters to him, and it should matter to us. Amen? One matters to God, and so one should matter to us as well. We're going to have a baptism service in a couple of weeks. We'll have another one the next month. I think I've got seven people that have, that have reached out that want to be baptized and not followed up with all of them yet, but church, that should be a party up in this place when someone gets in the water because what they're telling you is they believe in the gospel and they've placed their faith in him and they're just doing a public profession of their faith when they get in the baptism waters. And you know what the Bible says going on? There's a party in heaven and I think the church needs to step it up a little bit to compete with what's going on in heaven. Amen? There's one problem. There's one solution. There's one response. There is more joy in heaven over one, one matters, over one sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And the fourth thing I think that we need to know if we're going to be an alert church comes from the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. Listen to what it says. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We, we know this passage of Scripture, and I think sometimes we think this is a ministry that the church does, and it is. I think it goes so much further than that. I believe that every follower of Jesus Christ is a minister. And so this go make disciples, sometimes we interpret that as I got to pack my bags and I go to go to the mission field because that's what that means, right? It's not what it means. The, the understanding of that is as you're going, as you're doing life in school, in your work environment, in your circle of friends, in your family, as you're going, make disciples. It's a lifestyle. It's not just something that's left to the ministry of the church, but each one of us should be on high alert for those people that are not yet in the faith, amen? And as we're going, ask God to use us somehow to bring them to the fold, to the flock. It's not just the ministry of the church, but it's every member. Why did Jesus come? He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his mission. If we reflect his heart, then we should have the same attitude. One matters, to seek and to save the lost. It's a mission that is so small it's as small as your family, and it's as large as the whole globe that we live on. God loves people. Think about this for a second. Before I came to the faith, I was that one lost sheep. I'm thankful that one matters. You're the same way before you came to the faith. You're outside of the faith, and aren't you glad for the gospel that one matters? And we see his heart there, the shepherd he looks for, and he brings us to the fold, one matters to God. It should matter to us as well. Amen? So let me, let me challenge us today as a church um, two ways. Attitude. How do I 
see people that I don't agree with. Um, I said earlier, I can, I can handle that okay for the most part. When I see certain things that just bring up a, a holy anger in me, I have to be really careful how I handle that, how I approach that, how I voice that, because I have to remember that that one matters. That one matters to God, even if they're outside. I mean, they're, they're just wicked. I mean, he's willing that none should perish. One matters to him, and so I should be careful how I handle that situation. It says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees murmured. They grumbled amongst themselves. The only other time that's found is in Zacchaeus' story. Um, same thing, they were grumbling because he was hanging out with Zacchaeus, a, a sinner in their mind's eye. And I wonder if sometimes we have the wrong attitude towards the lost. And um, my buddy last week talked about burdens, or excuse me, boulders and backpacks. And there's burdens that God doesn't want us to carry, but there's these loads that we all should carry. I want to use that word burden because I think this is a burden the church should have. I think we should have a burden for those who are lost. And here's the thing. Every person in this room has someone immediately connected with them that they know and it's hard to know because we don't know everybody's heart. We don't know where they stand, but we can look at their lives. We can look at their conduct. And we say, man, I just don't think they're in the faith. Everybody knows somebody. Can I just tell you that one matters to God? Does it matter to you? One matters to God. Does it matter to you? So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to ask God to give you one person who needs to be found. It may be in your family, it may be in your workplace, it may be at school, it may be in your circle of friends, and some of you are already thinking, you know who it is. Ask God to give you one person. And when you get that one person, I want to challenge you to write it down, put it uh, somewhere where just you, it's between you and God, and uh, every time you see that, you're reminded to pray for that one. I've put names in my wallet for years and just opened up my wallet, and every time I see that, I'm like, oh yeah, and just regularly bring them before the Lord. Lord, there's a, somebody that's lost, and I know they matter to you, and Father, I pray that you would just make those connections and you'd bring them to, into your family. So pray for them. Here's another one. Invite your one. I wrestle with this one because the church over 17 years has had a growth problem, um, and there's the flesh side of me that I don't really tell people to invite people to church much, and part of that reason is because I've been criticized in the past in this community for just all he's worried about is growing a church, and that's not true never been my heart to grow a church numerically, but all those numbers represent someone who's coming to the faith or somebody who's growing in their faith, and that's important, church. So I shouldn't have to worry about saying invite somebody to church because we need to reach them, amen? If they matter to God, they should matter to us, so pray that God will give you one, pray for one, invite one, and then when, if, faith says when they come to Jesus, what do we do when they respond? Very simple, we ask for one more. When they respond, we ask for one more. Lord, just give me another person that I'll bring before you in prayer regularly, that I'll invite, create the opportunities for me to show them the love of Christ and to not push them away. Sadly, we see a lot of this today, especially in social media. We gotta be careful, church, when we're dealing with the world out there to remember that those people matter. One matters to God. Let's be careful as Christians that we don't look like the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the story have the wrong attitude toward those that we disagree with because they matter to God. That's where the conviction was at for me. Amen? 
So ask God to give you one person. Pray for that one. Invite that one. And when they come to Jesus, ask him for one more. And then do what chapter 7, excuse me, verse 7 says in chapter 15. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven. You know what? Join the party. Celebrate. Everybody knows someone that you, you've prayed for in the past, and you've seen them get baptized. You've seen them come to the faith. And it's exciting, isn't it? Especially when it hits close to home. That loved one that you've been praying for for years, and they come to the faith, and you're like, this is so cool. Can you imagine? Nothing comes, can compare to what's going on in heaven when one sinner repents. I love that picture of this shepherd. We have a great shepherd. Amen? So there's a family that lived near a wooded area, and um, they had little kids, and so the dad would tell the boy he could go out and play, but there were perimeters. Don't go beyond the perimeters. And one day, the little boy was playing. He wasn't paying attention, and he wandered off beyond the limits, and he got lost. And it began, uh, the night began to come, and it started getting dark outside, and the little boy was lost. Mom and dad recognized that, and they started looking for neighbors, calling neighbors to help them with the search. All the neighbors joined in, and they started looking for this little boy, and the dad left the search party, and he went back home. Um, he found an old lantern, and he lit that lantern, and he went upstairs in the attic, and he found a window, and he put that lantern in the attic thinking, if my son is out there and he just looks up, maybe he'll see the light, and he can come home. The little boy was out in the woods. He looked up. He saw the light, and he came home, and he was safe. Later that evening, the dad was about to put the boy to bed, and he remembered that he left the lantern on, and he thought, you know, I need to go up there and put that lantern out. And his boy said, Dad, can we leave it on tonight? There may be someone else who is lost and needs to find their way home. One matters to God. Does one matter to us? Here, here's what I want us to do. If God has put someone on your heart, would you stand? Yeah, we should probably everyone in the room be standing. And if we're not standing, we need to get some new friends too. We're so good at hanging out with Christians, speaking Christianese, singing Christian music, right? We, we, we need to see the heart that God has for the one. The one matters. And just as a sign of, God, here I am. I want to stand in the gap between you and that one that matters to you. And let's pray for them. And if you're here today and you are the one and you've not placed your faith in Christ, listen, I, the most important thing you can do is what do you do with the gospel? Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter to God. One matters. I want you to know what you need to do. You need to recognize your need for him. You need to repent of your sins. You need to turn to him in faith. And listen, if you want to, after we dismiss, come and speak with me, I would love to be able to meet with you. But let's, let's close in prayer. Father, today we come before you humbly acknowledging we're human, and Lord, we make many mistakes. Sometimes we let our guard down. Sometimes we outright disobey your word. Lord, when it comes to this world that we live in, we recognize that we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but we're in a dirty world, and in that there's going to be a lot of sinners and those that are outside of the faith. And I pray that we'd be mindful of how we approach those that we don't see eye to eye with, those that we don't agree with. They would be very careful to not be a stumbling block or to push them further away, but Lord, that we would be like we're standing today, someone standing in the gap for those that need to come to you. Lord, I pray for each person that is represented by the people that are standing here this morning. That one that you've placed on our hearts, Lord, we lift them up to you and we ask 
Father, that you would begin a work there that would make it very difficult for them to get away from. I, I hear people all the time that say they come to church because they were nagged so much that they came to church. And I pray that, Father, we would just uh, see your heart for them and that we would lift them up to you daily and ask you to create opportunities, ways for them to know the same faith, to be in the same family that we belong to, Lord, to be like that one lost sheet that was found and to join the celebration. Father, would you give us a heart for those that are lost? Would you give us a burden for them that it doesn't go away after we leave this church service today, but every day we wake up, we're reminded again of their need for a Savior and our need to pray for them, to invite them. And Father, when they turn to you, God, I pray they respond to your gift of grace. And when they do, Lord, I pray that we would, would see that the way you see that, and we would join in on the celebration the way you say all of heaven is celebrating. Lord, would you please put a burden on our heart for the lost sheep because one matters to you, and it should matter to us as well. Father, for those that are here today that, that may be that one, I hope that they see your love for them. Lord, I hope that they don't judge you based on how we as Christians have responded in the past, but they would trust you, see your love for them, that you're searching for them, and that you're willing that none should perish. Father, they would respond to you today in repentance and in faith. Lord, they too become a part of the great family and join the celebration. Lord, would you be glorified in our lives? Would you help us to consider just how heavy your heart is for, Lord, the lost? Your word says you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten son. You're willing that none should perish. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, one matters to you. Lord, may it matter to us too as well. We ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to dismiss you. If you want to come forward as we dismiss, I would encourage you to respond. Thank you. Thanks for coming.